Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This very special Thanksgiving episode was previously recorded on November 24th, 2014. Jim and Aaron are still having lunch every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Join Club Bald Move to watch these lunches live. You can also connect with us on the forums at forums.baldmove.com or on Twitter with the hashtag baldlunch. Two, one. You're already we're live. On. <laughs> <laughs> just say you're already on camera. Hey, how's it going? You're everybody? not fooling anybody. I know. It's kind of the point. Uh, we're back. Lunch with Jim and Aaron. Yeah, we had some. Week. We had some rough issues. In fact, I'm still um, recovering. Yeah, I'm still deathly afraid that I'm going to get ill. Yeah, sitting next to you in this room. Yeah, I've, tiny I've, I've learned two things. We cannot do any work while you're sick, and apparently, we cannot do any work while I'm sick as well because you're uh, you need a, a Howard Hughes style. I do. I got a little Hughes in me. You need a. You need. That's what we need to do. We need to get a bunch of Viz Queen for those episodes. We just need to make a bubble around mm. you, a tent. That's Actually, it. I would prefer just to have that all the time. I wouldn't mind being the bubble boy. But do the Tyvek suit with the full mask, and you can just yeah. to the rush burger. As long as it's inflated, <laughs> then I'm, I'm happy. Well, you can win. I, I hear you can win contests. Uh, you can. Cosplay contests like you that. You can win redundant VIP passes. <laughs> what? Um, for those of you joining us, thanks for for having lunch with us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually uh, just settling down from post-lunch. We've been uh, doing a lot of stuff this this morning, talking about a lot of stuff. I was originally going to fry a turkey today on camera uh, to extol the many benefits and how to be do it in a safe and responsible fashion. It turns out we we got ridiculously cold last week. It was like 18 degrees. It was down in the single digits at one point it's, overnight. It's now 65, and like I'm not saying that the winds are high, but I think I saw a witch pedaling a bicycle out the window. It's like 40 mile an hour straight line winds and occasional yeah. rain. I'm not frying a turkey under those conditions. Sure. I would fry a turkey if if it was Thanksgiving and I would just kind of like observe it from a, a, a nearby window. But um, I'm not going to take a thousand dollars of the electrical equipment. Now you're painting a really sad picture here of you observing someone frying a turkey for Thanksgiving out a window like you are oliver twist or something i've done that before like on on inclement weather um i'll set up the turkey fryer like 20 feet away from my house oh and let it fry itself just and no i use i actually use binoculars to keep an eye on the thermometer because that's the only thing Uh once you once you put the turkey in you just got to make sure it doesn't go over the rated temperature of the oil and you're you're in like flint wow so uh we can talk about frying turkey Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be doing one for real Thursday, come hell or high water. I know nothing about frying turkey. I've uh, never done it. Other topic, um, I would like to maybe talk about uh, the cereal podcast that I've dipped my toes in the water in the okay. last week. I did too. Um, and then 
I'm sure that we'll have comments and stuff because that's what we usually do. If this is your first time, we usually just kind of bullshit amongst ourselves on topics that we want to talk about. And we let some questions and stuff follow us build up in the Q&A uh, pool, which there should be a link uh, on the window you're watching to enable that and to get in there. And you can actually submit questions and we can read them on air. Uh, so which, which of those seems more, more interesting, turkeys or cereal? Uh, let's go with turkeys. Okay. Because it's Thanksgiving almost. When I say I fry a turkey, what's the first thing that you think of? Uh, I think of the end product. I think of the turkey sitting on the table that we've all seen during movies, Thanksgiving yeah. movies. Yeah. Uh, that's what I think of immediately. Okay. I don't think of like the horrible process that it must be okay. to make that delicious dinner. Because a lot of times when I hear people, when I tell people I fry turkeys, I, get, I, I actually think of the little booties on the end, on the feet. Really? Yeah. You don't want to fry them More with those. specifically, that's You what don't want to fry them with those. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, like, they have two reactions. Number one, that seems incredibly unsafe. Yes, it seems extraordinarily dangerous. And two, it seems very unhealthy. Like, deep frying a turkey, leave it to the fucking rednecks to figure out a way to take a low-fat poultry item and <laughs> make it into a goddamn state fair food. Congratulations, uh -huh. you trailer park dwelling high cholesterol having Walmart scooter driving sons of bitches. And to which I say, fuck you and your elitism. Um, and also it can be safe and it's, it's not, it's, I don't have the statistics about how healthy uh, this version of preparing a turkey is versus another version, but you're not breading the turkey and literally saturating oil. Yeah. The end result of the turkey is very, it's it's I'll go into the the pro case first. Why do you want to fry a turkey instead of baking it? Number one, uh -huh. number one bottleneck in any Thanksgiving uh, kitchen is the oven. Sure, you gotta fucking make yams, pies, and beans casserole, yeah. stuffing, um, which I know a lot of people do inside a turkey. Mm. Um, you've got to do all these things that you got to, and it's a, it's a huge bottleneck. Sure, if you take the turkey out of the picture and just say I'm gonna let some dude handle that you don't that that frees up the oven for so many other things by some dude you mean a pot of boiling oil on your exactly on your oven top exactly your and i'm not top. saying i'm not saying that women can't fry a turkey mm. i'm just saying that in my I've family seen christmas story man in my family dudes fry turkeys yeah because the okay. women are inside cooking and that's not i that's I, I i sound sexist even saying that um the way i've always seen it because i watch a lot of thanksgiving uh -huh. movies apparently uh, the, the wife cooks the turkey uh -huh. and the husband carves the turkey. See, that's, I that's think, like the, that's what I'm the getting at. This feels like a more Midwestern even tradition and even uh, division of labor. Cause you can let the dudes go outside, drink beer and fry turkey. Okay. And then the women folk, uh, can, can, can do the baking and stuff. Although I, that's weird because I'm still <laughs> sounding sexist. I, I do make a mean yam. I'm part of that baking as well. I'm just saying <laughs> that, uh, Shit, man. Pumpkin pie is my favorite part of Thanksgiving. Um, so there's number one. It frees up the oven for more important things. Uh, yeah. Number two, it's more consistent. Like if you take a turkey and you get the oil the right temperature and you cook it for the prescribed time, which is about three and a half minutes per pound, the turkey is going to turn out perfect every fucking time. You're going to have golden brown skin. It's going to be moist and delicious because you're not using dry heat. You're using oil to cook this thing. You're not going to end up... At a Chinese restaurant on Christmas you're, Day. You're not, no. Okay. No dog is going to come and steal this thing because they will be, it's be a horrific. Even dogs are smart enough to know you don't want to fuck around with 400 degree oil peanut, 400 degree peanut oil. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, and and I, the skin turns out nice and crispy. It's a good looking bird. Um, That's my favorite part of any bird, really, chicken, turkey, whatever, is the skin. Yeah. I think uh, that's kind of where all the the bad health stuff comes from. On yeah, the if you're turkey, frying skin, I mean, fry. I can't defend that. But on the other hand, I think but it the, tastes so good. And think of the regular basting process where you're basting with butter and stuff. I mean, you don't do that with the. Yeah, yeah. You can. They, a lot of people do. Um, I like a plain bird. And then, you know, you can put condiments or whatever kind of rub on it. Um, but some people use a, like a flavor injector and they'll, they'll, there's like Cajun, you know, Cajun garlic butter Who's or whatever. Who's making a Cajun garlic butter turkey for Thanksgiving? It's, it's heretical, but it happens. I, I actually fried a turkey uh, we, at one year um, at the place I used to work twice or two times before I was working for Bald Move. That's confusing. Uh, I, I okay. said, hey, uh, I want to fry a turkey for our big Thanksgiving thing. Mm-hmm. And it quickly turned into a thing. Like three dudes brought in the rigs and we all fried turkeys. And there's one guy that was shooting it full of this Cajun shit. And I'm like, that ain't that ain't religion, brother. <laughs> that ain't that that ain't canonical. Get that out of here. That's but no Thanksgiving I've ever heard of. Yeah. I like the plain bird, but you can inject it with different flavors and and you a lot of people, you know make little incisions sure. and tuck gar- garlic cloves in there, all that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, the other uh, advantage is it's extremely quick. Um, you know, I should have done this before, but I'm going to do a back of the envelope calculation. If you cook a 15 pound Turkey um, at three and a half minutes per that's 52.5 minutes. You're going to have that Turkey cooked to perfection. I always check it cause you're supposed to get like 175 degrees at the thigh joint, I believe. Um, I always have to look this up each year. You're saying um, this is very easy, but then you're looking up shit and you're doing calculations. You have to do that anyway, unless you want to, you have to, you have to know that your turkey is done and you have to measure the stuff unless you want to mess with salmonella. So this is sure. not something you have to do in addition to the okay. work. It's just something you have to do. Okay. Um, I always check it, but in the 10 years I've done this, I've done this for 10 years and I've probably fried 17 birds, say. I've never had it come out and need like another couple of minutes. It just comes out. I check the thigh temperature. Boom. It's good to go. I check the breast temperature. Boom. It's good to go. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's very quick. Here's a couple drawbacks about the maximum size. You can cook a bird is 15 pounds or so. A lot of times when you hear people get into trouble, number one, you're supposed to, and I recommend doing this for the first couple of times. Um, fill, the pot that comes in your turkey frying kit, they're about 60, 70 bucks if you buy them at a hardware store. Fill it full of water where the line says it should be because there's, in mine, there's lines that says if it's a 12-pound bird, if it's a 16-pound bird, fill it where you think it should be and then submerge the turkey and make sure the water does not come out the top. The, wa- the, the water should be like a couple inches from the top. Obviously, if you, I think a lot of people get the big jug of oil from Costco or Sam's Club. They fill the damn thing nearly full it gets 400 degrees. It's like 50 degrees away from its flashpoint. They, they submerge the turkey, turkey. They drop it in from five foot <laughs> above. No, they submerge the turkey. And then all of a sudden, yeah. um, you know, a gallon of hot peanut oil hits the flame and you've got now a 20 foot flamethrower. Yeah. And if you've cooked this in your garage, you're going to have a terrible time. Or in your kitchen. Or in your kitchen. If you're doing it's this, in, yeah, there should be nothing above you but stars or clouds uh, or blue sky. Um, the th- the other disadvantage, so you can't cook a huge turkey, but what I've always done is when I've had need for a bigger than 15-pound turkey is I'll get turkey breasts, and you can cook those things up in like 15, 20 minutes. Mm. 
So I'll get the whole, I'll get the main bird cooked, take it out, wrap it in tin foil, let it rest. And then I'm just like dunking breasts. And I'm still done an hour, hour and a half before you'd cook it, uh, take to cook a conventional turkey. Huh. Okay. Third drawback is it is relatively speaking less safe than putting a, a turkey in an oven and letting it sit there. However, if you, if, if you're not an idiot and, and you're not lazy, it's, it's relatively safe. I'm, I'm not in that group that is not the, an the idiot problem with, or not. Lazy. Of, of course, the problem with that is most idiots don't know that they're idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of things you can do to mitigate your danger. Um, like I said, test that with water before you test that with the full bird. Uh, make sure you start with a dry turkey. The turkey should not be frozen oh, and should yeah. be dry because water and oil pop and that's where you're going to get you know a lot of a lot of a lot of grease flying around mm-hmm. um make sure you use a thermometer and the oil and observe like if you're using certain types of oil i they recommend peanut oil because it has an extremely high flash point of late i've been using like a blend the peanut oil blend that doesn't have as high a flash point but i don't ever get my grease to like 400 degrees i'm getting it to like 350 that's the ideal that's the green range of my thermometer and just make sure you always look at that thermometer. It should never get into the red zone, and then it won't catch. It, you won't have a problem. The other yeah. thing is uh, do a four-step dunk. You get the turkey. You should you should wear gloves. I think only Michael Jordan is qualified to do that. You should <laughs> the fifteen-pound turkey dunk. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you get Larry Bird to come in and do the three-point oh, turkey contest. Uh-huh. Um, but you do a four-step dunk. You 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 got the you, your your heavy glove. Hopefully it's leather. If you have one of those welder gauntlets, that works best. Um, but I always go like uh, you know leather glove and long sleeve. And uh, you, you you got this little hook on the turkey, and you dunk it in like one quarter of the way. Let it sizzle. Bring it out. Wait five seconds, dunk it in halfway, let it sizzle, let it come out. What's that cook do- all the water off? What's it doing is it's cooking all the water off. You're not having the one big. And also, if you didn't follow the safety step of filling it for a while, you should see that, oh, my God, I've got way too much oil in here, and you can abort the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, when you finally get it, the, the top of the turkey should be just under the level. And then you just close the pot and don't fuck with it for 50 minutes or so make sure that oil doesn't get into the danger zone and pull it out when you're later turn off the burner and you're done again don't cook it indoors don't cook it on your wooden patio don't cook it on any kind of underhang just keep it outdoors and it's going to be fun it's it's a great way uh oh i forgot another drawback you cannot you cannot cook it with stuffing inside if turkey will not fry if it's got stuffing inside and Mm -hmm. Uh, one thing you also know, which I, I think I forgot one year is I actually fried a Turkey with, uh, <laughs> the gravy pouch and <laughs> the neck and the innards oh. inside of it. Cause I forgot to check that stuff. So uh, you need to, you need to pull all that crap out, but yeah, frying Turkey. It's, don't, don't fry a Turkey naked either. That's no. really a key. You do want, do not want to Walter White it. An apron's no. not going to cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never been, I've never been burned, not even a little bit. I've done it a lot of times. It makes a very nice, I've had a lot of skeptic people um, make a backup bird because they're like, oh, you're going to fry a turkey. Okay, well, I'm going to do it in the oven like I always do. And I always, always put that bird to shame (laughs) because that bird is dry or it's, 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 and mine is just always perfectly like automatic. It's like a turkey microwave, except for not shitty. I think you've got, and far more dangerous, uh, I, I think you've got a good reality series on your hands where you take a professional chef and a know-nothing nobody mm-hmm. and have them both try to prepare the same dish with different methods and then see which one is better. 
The, sure. the chef always gets a harder method, obviously. Sure, sure. So no, Gordon Ramsay would Gordon be Gordon Ramsay could make a better bird a than bird. I could fry for sure. Well, that's that's the the real crux of yeah. the reality show. Yeah, is is that actually true? Yeah, but I think I mean again, um, I'm not saying you can't make a better bird, and um, I've seen better certainly visual presentations. Although I, I saw this new YouTube thing where they talk about how you should properly cut a turkey, and essentially you cut the the legs off of it. And then you cut the breast along the breastbone and you slice the whole thing off. And then you turn the breast around and slice it horizontally against the grain. So it's almost like tenderloin style cuts. And they laid it out on a board so it kind of vaguely resembled the shape of a turkey. And it looks awesome. I'm going to try that this year. Um, but that's the thing is like the presentation. If you've got the little paper feet mm-hmm. and it's beautifully brown, you know, roasted and everything's just so. And you've got the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the potatoes and the carrots and all that shit around there. Um, you can probably do a better oven bird. But why couldn't you do that with a fr- with a fried turkey? I don't know because you're frying you a fucking turkey. What are you gonna make it, it fancy for? I'd not mention I lived in a trailer. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's just too pretentious. So I'm gonna carve with my pinky out too. <laughs> yeah. Um. Sure. So there, there's my little dog and pony. I'm going to try to film me frying it um, this Thanksgiving. Okay. And maybe uh, package something up as a little a little fun piece of content. I'm not promising because, again, the weather still might be shitty. But mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, so there's frying a turkey. Again, everybody watching live, feel free to use the Q&A app and ask questions. It says it's it's good to go. Am I doing something wrong here? Nope. Um, so we talk about cereal. Sure, why not? What do you think of cereal? Should we talk about – because here's what I thought cereal was. Okay. I thought Serial was a fictional, like, Law and Order-style murder mystery, but it's kind of like an audio version of what the killing was supposed to be. A huh. single, in-depth look at a murder that you track in kind of more or less real time and the twists and turns and who's innocent, who's guilty, and it was going to be this produced kind of gritty-to-crime thing. Instead, what I got is a recognizably NPR-ish in-depth look at a real case about a teenager who was accused of murdering his ex-girlfriend and is in prison right now and has been in prison for what 16 years yeah long time because he's like in his early 30s and he was in high school um and an investigator who is going through and trying to look at this record because there's some hinky things about it the defense attorney um, didn't do everything exactly quite right. And, um, and that the, defense attorney is now dead. And that, that a defense attorney yeah. is now dead. And also the, the prosecution's case rests entirely upon one guy's statement who was arguably an accomplice to the murder, which mm-hmm. I'm um, about, I'm, I'm, I haven't finished a third episode. Yeah, I've only heard the first one. So. But it seems to me that... Um, this guy, the Jay fellow, who is the guy, the, the main state's uh, witness, um, is at least an accomplice to murder. Mm-hmm. I mean, he helped bury a body Easily. for Christ's sake. Yeah, and then didn't tell anybody about it. And no. I don't know whether, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious about when we're going to find out more about that. Um, so I was surprised to see that it was kind of the dry uh, NPR style presentation. Um, the and it, I. You're a fan of this. Yeah. When I say like NPRification, when she walks into a cafe to enter somebody, interview somebody, you're going to hear a ding a ling a ling as the door open and you're going to hear the shopkeeper 
you know, talk about their biscuits or whatever. And then you're going to have a little bit of background noise from the cafe. And then she's going to have the conversation. Um, you're also going to have weird music choices. Like the, the serial, serial theme song, I think, is just really weird. Like if the guy who did Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood scored an episode of Law & Order, this is what he'd come up with. Yeah, I, I don't remember. It's the like theme. elevator jazz, but not quite. Huh. But it's, it's, it's supposed to be like moody and minor chords. But I think the content is fantastic. If you, get, if you can overlook the presentation... Not a big fan of the. NPR. I think the presentation is fantastic. We do not see eye to eye on this at all. No, we do uh, not. We I do think not. the vast majority of the NPR stuff uh, is really well done and really serves to put me in the atmosphere that they were in when they were interviewing the person, and that gets me more in the headspace of everybody involved. And I think that's a very good thing. And that's, you know, I don't want all my podcasts to just be X number of dudes talking into X number of microphones for three hours. Like that's not what I necessarily want out of all my podcasts. And there are plenty of those out there. Well, so like when I hear something that is more NPRified, as you say, uh, that, that to me is pushing forward the medium in a way that I like. So, I mean, I kind of, when the, she's having a conversation um, with someone in a cafe or when she's talking to him and he's on the jail phone line, yeah. I like the fact that you can tell that's what the locale is. You can hear background noise and it, it sounds like a, a, a payphone conversation and all that. And I think that's fine. And I think the musical cues are fine. I think the musical cues on this are just not as, as, as what, what I need them to be or what I'd wish them to be. Okay. But I also that's think fair. that like stuff like radio lab pushes the envelope of what I consider bearable. I think radio lab is almost a parody of itself when it goes to locations and, you know, they're in Bangkok and you just hear people talking in this language you don't understand and you hear roosters in the background and you hear mopeds going by and it's like that's supposed to put us in location. But to me, that just it, it's almost offensive that you can bore you can boil down a locale on this earth to three seconds of audio, which is also playing to our expectations because it's not like we're on the we're we're on the scene for, you know, insert third world country. And you're blown away by like how elegant and orchestrated everything is. It's just the same kind of a goat is buying, a chicken is clucking, uh, somebody, you know, someone's chanting something tribal in the distance. And it's just like, I don't feel like I'm now in wherever I'm supposed to be. I feel like I'm hearing what these producers think that I think this location should sound like. And they've got people scouring this bazaar or wherever they're at with microphones to capture that. Well, maybe so. Okay. If that's the case, uh, somebody went to that location. Somebody talked to those people. They know what it sounds like in that location. If they are in fact misrepresenting that location or boiling it down to uh, a sound clip that is going to sound good for people who are listening, that's on the content producer's fault. That's not the format's fault. I feel like if if you want to do that, you can certainly get it right. Like, look, I was on the scene. Here's what was happening. A goat was neighing in the background. Uh, there were a lot of people chattering on the street. There were mopeds going by. If that's the accurate fucking sound from the location, why are you not going to put that in there? Well, goats neighing, I think, is just, you know, that's a... 
that's a farmer, uh, you know, farmer Nadell type of problem. You need, I need to sit you down with one of those pull string things and find sure. out what a goat actually yeah, sounds like. Whatever they do, buy uh, either. They scream apparently if, I, uh, if I'm if I'm I looking so. at YouTube and they lock up and fall <laughs> over. Uh, but but I like that stuff to me adds texture. It adds an aesthetic mm. to the audio, which is really your only means of getting people into the location. You can't show them the location. You can't you can't show them what was happening around them like you can in TV or something. Like I wouldn't say it, like on TV, do you see it as superfluous when people like do the interview on site and you of can course, see in yes. the background yes. all that shit? Like that's my point. You don't. So why would you say that in audio? No, no, I think it's stupid. I like whenever I see the local news and all all three vans are outside. Well, then you are in the minority, my friend, because there are a thousand shows on television which film on location interviews, and that serves to get you in the spirit and get you in the mood. Like, Does look it? at any travel show. Okay, any travel, travel show. That's fine. But tra- that's, 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 and then there's now another. You're, now, but now you've got the interviewer going to a location, uh-huh. being immersed in the area, talking to these people, trying to figure out a story that is most often local. Uh, uh, to that area, why are you not going to try to present the location in audio form? That just seems like a, it's dumb. That's it. That's it's all. not dumb. You just don't like it. Like for example, you just don't like it. I think it's smart. Something, um, you know, Cincinnati CBG Airport announces some they're going going to open another jetway or something. Uh-huh. You're going to have four local news stations with reporters set up. On the top of the parking garage, shooting the airport in the background. I don't NPR give a is not shit. News. NPR is not news. NPR is no. I'm saying that's stupid. Documentary. In NPR is, it's telling a story. They're storytellers. You have to get someone immersed into the story in order for them to buy into the story. So I guess that's. I guess that's part of the problem. Is that you know we're now talking about the difference between news, entertainment, documentary, right? And I associate really high like. Hollywood production values and documentaries with like Michael Moore, Morgan Spurlock, people that are trying to advocate a position and are doing so by making their side look awesome and tug on all the right and the other side look ridiculous. And they use hyperbole and they exaggerate things. Mm -hmm. And then I look at, you know, what's his name? Herzog Warner or the guy who did the the house I grew up in. And it's, it's a certain type of, it's no one would say the production quality is low, but it's a lot more yeah. serious of a take. And I, I associate that with just the facts. And when I'm listening uh-huh. to Seriable, I find a mishmash between the radio lab style production values and what I'm expecting from a sober retelling of these facts. Okay. It, yeah. And even like, um, I don't know. But do, do you watch like C-SPAN? Because <laughs> that's what you want. That's what you're requesting. Like, no. I want to see in real time the events unfold because that's what Serial is. It's it's a podcast about this woman's journey to figure out what the hell's going on in this case. Sure. Do you want her to just dryly sit down and tell you, here's what I did. Here's what happened. Here's like the steps I took to get to this point. Like that to me is very boring. And that that doesn't equal a podcast that gets you into the story and really draws you in and and makes you want to hear more. It's possible that I am a weirdo, but I feel like that I would enjoy the podcast more, the serial podcast more, if it was just her interviews and just her narrating and, and connecting the dots and they lost the music or maybe 
I don't know, was less NPR with the music. And I could really, I don't really care about the local audio cues. I really don't. Um, again, I could be weird about that, but, and it's not off, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to follow it, but I feel like, so a lot of this fascination with this podcast taps into like the OJ Simpson trial where mm-hmm. everyone followed it, followed all the latest twists and turns. We got, you know, the case is presented this far and then the defense comes and then there's cross-examination and everybody's twisting and turning. And well, I think what I happen and my theory And I feel like that this show does a good job of tapping in on that. Yeah, no, you're right. But, and and even more so because this is something that's happening years down the case. There's already a narrative. And now like you have a lot more control over making that as interesting as possible. Um, And, and putting it forward in the most interesting possible way. And it's really tapped into something that a lot, a lot of people are interested in. Yeah. And this is not just a, a podcast about the case it's about it's more importantly i think a podcast about this woman's journey to figure out the case because Mm -hmm. if it were just about the case it'd be very easy to say like to come into a podcast and say here are the facts on both sides sure and and it's i feel like it's less compelling there than if you take her personal journey to understanding this case and say follow along with me because i don't even know the outcome of this yet Mm. you know i feel i feel like that's there's a little more value in that. I wanted to read more interviews because there's it's it's been in our forums, which um well I mean I can talk about yeah you, you it's all over the internet I've stayed away from all that shit and I'm I think that's and and I started to get into the forums and look at some of these links because there's a lot of people uh like the Bowman chain um and I think D and a couple other you know uh regulars were in the forum. And I'm almost like, I can't talk about the forum yet, but fuck, everybody watching the show knows about the forums. It's probably on the forums. Um, but I started looking, I'm like, oh, no, I haven't gotten into this. I need to bail out of this because I feel, and then I need to catch up as quickly as possible because it seems like the, is this kind of like lost where if you're watching it in real time, yeah. there's this huge community talking about this and that, and, and it's a real case. So people are doing independent research. You can find all that kind of stuff. But if you're behind, it's a minefield. Like, you know, when you're binge watching a season of Lost, you might be tempted at a certain point to go to the Lostopedia or whatever the Lost wiki is and start reading about a particular thing. But you will instantly get hit by later season spoilers, later that season spoilers, and it's just not worth it. So that's kind of how yeah. I'm approaching the show. But I think that there was talk of, like, making this a regular thing. Like it's a great basic idea. Yeah. Like, and there's let's take an unsolved, like thousands case of looks, cases. Yeah. Every like it year. might've been judged incorrectly or, you know, I mean, look at stuff. like MSNBC, the, you know, and, and the, the unsolved mysteries, all these shows that used to do two and three of these things a fucking week. Yeah. And a much less, it, it, it does. I tell you, it will ruin you for those type of shows. <laughs> Because if you can think you can you can fully understand a murder mystery in in a forty eight minute produced part, mm-hmm. this really blows that away. Um, yeah, for sure. But uh, I don't know. I, I was expecting it to be fictionalized radio drama, and I got like super NPR uh, documentary style. Yeah, I was not expecting fiction. I was expecting. So you you read up stuff. more on it than I. Uh, yeah, I just heard about it in places, and everybody mm-hmm. was like, "Oh, they're following a, a real case, and this is the the lady's journey to discover it and mm-hmm. understand it." Uh, which 
didn't sound super appealing to me. Do you think that this but might the way be, it's unfolding? I like it. Do you think this might be uh, a podcast that it could support a podcast community around it? I think that's an interesting thing because somebody actually pitched it to me that way. It's like you guys ought to consider doing this as a bald move podcast where we'd actually consume the podcast and then. Uh, sure. If you're doing this in real time and you're along with, I mean, it obviously supports community on Reddit and on the internet in general. So yeah, I think anything that has uh, piqued the interest of people enough to where they're talking about it yeah. means people can get on microphones and talk about it. Okay. You know? Huh. Uh, sure. I think that'd be a great idea. So um, I don't know whether I've screwed something up here and that people are unable to ask me questions or people just are not asking me questions because I've got zero questions. Ask some questions. Because uh, I thought you could do that through the YouTube app. You could actually ask questions there, but maybe you can only see it. So maybe I shared the wrong link, and this should have been a Google Hangout link instead of a YouTube one. I don't know. It's oh, like every man. time I think I've made the last fucking mistake on this audio presentation or these vi- video presentations, I find a new one. But if you got some questions, you probably got five minutes in before we, we bail on this thing. What else do you want to talk about, man? Should we continue with the podcast theme? Talk about startup? I have nothing good to say about startup. I'm so fucking tired of hearing about startup. That's my <laughs> comment on startup. Oh, look at me trying to get a podcast neckward off the ground. I'm just um, some small little nobody. It started nothing. It has we are decades of experience and working with NPR and a tons of professional contacts and press releases and magazines are, and newspapers are covering us. Fuck you. I know nothing about business. And for four years, I was a business editor. Yes. Like, fuck you. Uh, so we as it's it's interesting independent, information, truly I, independent podcasters yeah. uh, have a natural tendency to call bullshit on this. Sure. Uh, I think a lot of people are buying into it and saying, oh, this guy branched out on his own. He's learning a lot. I, I think him showing his mistakes is a very good idea because that shows that he doesn't really know what he's doing Sure, uh, from the business side. And I it. buy that, but he has so many fucking built-in advantages. That's the thing. You, you can't ask some dude in the Midwest to do the same thing he's doing and get even... 50 downloads a week right like nobody's gonna give a shit you're not gonna have forbes with three podcasts in the can you're not gonna have forbes writing an article yeah, you're not gonna have the new, new york, york times, times you're not gonna get Washington interviewed Post. on npr no no with one not. podcast released it's like you're just not gonna have those advantages yeah he's not starting from the ground up he's starting from the clouds up like he's already at the top of the game Right now, he's just going to do his own thing instead of having the NPR name behind him. Exactly. Which is, I mean, again, there's lots of stuff to learn on that as far as business acumen and finding advertisers and stuff like that. I just hate the way it's being pitched as a, you know, same thing. Like I was watching, I was reading an article about the success of the new podcast entrepreneurs, and they're talking about like these three guys and what they have in common. They're talking about the guy who is, uh, on startup and they're talking about Mark Marin and the guy wrote a paragraph like Mark <laughs> Marin was an unemployed comic whose only uh-huh. claim to fame was a frequent recurring spot on the Conan O'Brien show. And I'm like, Oh really? That's it. That's Couple all a million people tuned in every night. So for the, get your platform. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you, you, and it's a joke to us because we literally did start from nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Nobody knew our names. Yeah. We had never done any of this shit. You're before. working at a medical, uh, at, at a insurance uh-huh. uh, adjustment company, writing software. I was writing software for a medical records company. Yeah. No contacts relevant to podcasting nothing. entertainment. Absolutely nothing. And so when we see this shit, it's reflexive. I know. Yeah. It's 
but it, but it's honest. I mean, shit. He those guys are starting from everything. We're starting from nothing. Whoa, questions are actually working. Oh, they um, are. I'll take okay. the first question from Tyler Watts. Why are you guys such assholes when it comes to podcasting? Says, don't think the questions are working. Myth busted, Tyler. They're Ooh. actually working. Um, another question from Freddie C. Freddie Couples, um, yep. veteran of several lunch of Jim and Aaron, says, uh, "All right, I'll start." Rap music fan, Aaron, yay or nay? You drop a lot of references that might make you, well, I got to select this question, that might make it seem like you might be. Yeah, I, I'm i kind of a musical omnivore. I like a damn near everything. And I'm especially attracted to like really intricate wordplay in my rap. Um, like yep. I, I, I really appreciate a guy's ability to do the flow because I'm a mush mouth and I can never do that. <laughs> but guys like Eminem, um, yeah, yeah. I think he's the one that always comes to mind right now, but I, I think a lot of people do not respect Lil Wayne. Although, you know, a guy who can bust out a line like real G's move in silence, like lasagna, <laughs> can't be all bad that's the kind of stuff yeah, i love yeah. it's it's um i really i just discovered childish gambino which is uh donald glover uh, uh-huh. a couple weeks ago and his some of his stuff is just sick the it's like nerdy pop culture references which i also like yeah um so yeah i i'm 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 a big fan i like a lot of independent label stuff um like jurassic five lyrics born black Alicious, um and uh yeah i I, i'm a big big fan of the the music form what about you jim uh i'm a fan of the more mainstream stuff you like jay-z i love jay-z yeah Uh, who else because i think you almost eminem maybe eminem and jay-z are like the only rappers you listen to i mean i'd listen to other stuff like i've listened to lil wayne i've listened to kanye i've listened to a lot of kanye i hate him as a human being but really yeah he's an asshole through and through uh, I, I and, and I fucking hated his last album. His last album was a piece of shit. Oh, you're so wrong. Terrible. So wrong. Terrible. You just didn't you didn't listen to it. It's like it's. Like, I listened to it twice, and I like hated scotch. it both times. It's like scotch. You got to You got to force yourself maybe. into it to, before you start appreciating it. Maybe, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I've listened to other stuff. Like I've listened to Black Alicious and uh, I don't know. Just but nothing's really stuck. Like okay. it seems like Eminem and Jay Z are the the people I listen to. Almost. What is your favorite f- form of music? Because you got a really eclectic musical taste. I do. You're one uh, of my musical taste makers. Man, honestly. I I fucking love blues, but I don't listen to it enough. Like I I think as like an art form, blues is one of the most satisfying for me. But then my true musical love will always be like alternative rock, like. Like kind of the grunge era stuff. Yeah, 90s, I mean, that's when I, I was nineties alt rock teenager when that shit came sure. out, and it really struck a chord with me. And like Smashing Pumpkins, Nirvana. Uh, what are you gonna do when they start referring to the alt rock stations as the oldies stations? And be like, all right. Oh, that, that's another thing that I fucking love. So I, I have a lot of musical taste from my dad, who mm. was into like he was born in nineteen forty, mm-hmm. uh, and he you know, was a teenager when the doo-wop stuff was out in the fifties and he was into all that. So growing up, I heard just a ton of that stuff. Really like that stuff. Uh, I like pretty much the fifties, the seventies and the nineties are where most of my musical loves are like Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, that shit. I love it. Mm. Love it. 
Like those are the only albums that I will like just put on and listen to. Sure. Don't do that often. I didn't really do that. I did that a little bit in the nineties. I like Hendrix. Stuff, I'm, I have a lot of, I don't get down to the stones. Zeppelin. Doors. Uh, doors I actually do like. Um, and I had an interesting experience with my uh, buddy of mine had me over to drink expressly to drink, which is always fun. <laughs> And uh, he started putting on like a real album and, yeah. and he's like a big fan of vinyl. And you know me, like I'm a technophile. So I'm like, he's talking, he's like, look, <laughs> I'm like, I think it's bullshit, man. Uh, like, look, Josh, I think this is bullshit. These records don't sound as good as even an MP3, let alone a CD. And he's like, just, just listen, listen to the warmth, listen to all that. And I'm like, okay, yeah. whatever. The, the sound of the room they're recorded in. Yeah. And he actually happened to have uh, Florence and the Machines lungs, oh. which I'm intimately familiar with. So he's like, wow. So he puts it on, and it's got a little bit of hiss and a little bit of a pop, like yeah. every couple seconds. Yeah, sound a little bad. I, but I'll say that the advantage of the record player is you sit and listen to the album hmm. in a way that you you're don't. You're not going to skip tracks. You <laughs> don't. You're not. Fuck that. You're not going to put. Stuff, you're not yeah. going to put it on random and just have it do whatever. Uh, and I, it's an interesting listening experience because you don't usually do that. And he put on some like old Doors. Um, I forget what, uh, I think it was like Eric Clapton's band was called The Cream. Band. Or is oh. it Cream? There was another one called The Band, and I'm not sure who it was the back the backing for. Mm, but like okay. he's got all these obscure stuff, and I was just listening to it, and it was just kind of an interesting experience. But no, I don't like yeah. like Led Zeppelin, um, wow. Pink Floyd. Wow. Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. I think I you, have to, you have to get high and listen to Zeppelin or Floyd before you're 30. And if you don't, it's like going to, it's like, I never went to Disney World. So I have, people are like, oh, Disney World's so much fun. I'm like, Disney World's bullshit. I'd rather go to like the Bahamas if I'm going to drop that kind of cash. Yeah, I don't. I went to Disney World as a kid. Disney World and Disneyland, I didn't care for either of them that right. much. Um, anything else to say on music? Because I kind of cut you off. No, 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 it's fine. Uh, classic rock, alternative slash grunge, and old 50s stuff and blues. That's where I'm at. All right, uh, Tyler comes back and says, if you guys have time, are there any plans for non-TV-based, political, social, personal, goof-off podcasts in the future? Funny you should ask. I think you're watching it right now, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, we do. So, so if you guys don't know, Personal Arrogance, our buddies, uh, went off the air at episode 220. Yeah. And they had a you know personal, social, entertainment, goof-off podcast. And there is talk in sometime in 2015 of resurrecting um, kind of that show where we'll be recurring, like a rotation between me, you, Eric, Jesse, and Levi, uh, all good buddies of ours, where we get together and we talk about different topics, and it's probably going to be like bi-weekly. Yep. Um, but I, have, I don't have a release schedule or anything like that, but it's something I think we're both, I think everyone's interested in. It's going to be just, produced by NPR. It's gonna, uh, <laughs> Nina Totenberg will be our moderator. Uh-huh. Uh, and we're going to have a lot of sound effects in there. We're going to have uh, springs going, boing, boing, boing. We're yeah. going to have ahugas out the ass. Ira uh, Glass is going gonna, is gonna to get all our music lined up. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, be, be <laughs> stay, stay tuned for that. Um, Tyler also asks, uh, what do we think of the True Detective Season 2 casting and plot synopsis? Uh, so I'm, I think I've said before that I'm not thrilled with Vince Vaughn. I fucking hate Vince Vaughn on almost every level. Did you, you see the photo that leaked of um, no. Matthew Flanagan or what would a guy Colin Colin um, Farrell Farrell? Yeah, he in his costume. No, he looks very very eighties. 
Yeah, Very it's 80s. like they, they. I feel like they've got the same kind of sensibility nailed down as far as the the look and feel of it. Huh. But I, you know, okay. I, I don't like the fed. The, the thing that got that's got me the most worried, other than this is this guy's sophomore outing, and I don't know how in the hell you turn a story of that quality around in a single year. That's not a continuation. It's a brand new thing. Is that they're not going to have the same director do everything? Like he's doing all the writing, but they're going to have. Um, so Jeremy, Jeremy Lin, he's the fast and furious guy. He's going to do like the first four and then there's going to be another guy doing two and another guy doing two. That is, they're having the director of fast and furious do this move, do this show. He's done a lot of other stuff. I would hope so. That's actually, you know, artistic, but, um, but no, I'm, I just, I'm a little worried, not from, because I don't trust him, but because they don't have any continuity. And I think that's one of the special things that Corey Fukunaga uh, just did everything. And mm-hmm. um, it's a little bit less special. But I don't know. It could be just as good. It's going to be yeah. hard to be just as good because that's that that first season is awesome. It might be my favorite thing I've seen. Um, we kicked around doing like a rewards or an award show. And mm-hmm. if, if we did, it would definitely be in the running for best best show. Yeah, for me. Yeah, probably so. Uh, Freddie C said we should do a podcast on Dan Carlin's podcast. <laughs> I don't know hardcore history or yeah. What would sense. we say? Just how? Oh yeah, but it had to be hardcore history. But like you know, like let's say he gets done with uh, his series on on World War One. That was awesome. Yeah. Do another man. Yeah, like <laughs> it's 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 going to be the. Um, um we have nothing to add to any of those conversations of yeah, value. Yeah, yeah. Uh we're just huge fans. And yeah. uh I I I love that stuff. It'd be it'd be an awesome topic for the forum. We yeah. ought to get in the other category, Dan, you know, digesting Dan Carlin, we can call it. And we can all talk about how awesome he is and things we've learned. Mm-hmm. Uh let's see. Speaking of blues, have you guys, Freddie Couples asked, have you guys seen lightning in a bottle? not even heard of it no what is that does he elaborate or is that nope. just maybe he will okay. i'll get the next question maybe you can come back for a double dip yeah uh jeremy leave it says jim no shave november man where's your beloved goatee uh it's not there i feel like i'm be- I, i've got enough beard for both of us i'm a one yeah i'm a one man two man no yeah no there's, shave, no there's a balance here i mean <laughs> i had the goatee when he was a little less bearded but yeah. he's absorbed all the hair in this office <laughs> in the entire room yeah <laughs> uh, i even recruiting some from my head and uh, putting it down here i'm not sure if lightning that's a in a bottle is uh a musical event that's gonna happen in san antonio the ancestral homeland of the chumash nation that can't be right no, no, I like Memorial it. Day weekend. I like it. Native American music. Info. Go out into the desert, smoke a little peyote. There's a lot of camping. It's basically Burning Man, I think. <laughs> oh, no. Um, he elaborates. It's a one-night history of the blues produced by Martin Scorsese, basically a concert in blues doc. Is that the new thing that he's working on with Terrence Winter? No, surely not. Because that's the one about 70s rock, right? the culture and the scene and kind of slightly fictionalized, but also it is, uh, but I don't think that's it. Hmm. 
I don't know. No, Clearly I've never heard lightning Scorsese in a has a lot of lot of interest in that. Yeah, I guess so. So, um, all right. So that's about all for the questions. Um, next week we'll be back. We'll be putting up the bald move Christmas tree. We'll be decorating that puppy. Um, we'll be taking more of your questions and answers. When are we going to be back? Not the rest of this week, obviously. Not the rest of this are week. Are we doing Monday or are we doing the, the usual Thursday Monday's next week? packed. Well, Monday oh. and Tuesday are packed. I'm thinking the Wednesday or Friday. What? I thought we usually did this on Thursday. No, I'm saying sometime between Wednesday and Friday. I'd like to mix, oh, okay. I'd like to mix up the, um, the day we do it on a little bit, too. I don't want to get in a Thursday rut. We've got a Monday. Don't want people to know when they're going to have a lunch with Jim and Aaron coming out. <laughs> it's just impossible because, you know, right now we're catering to East Coast people with yeah. the lunch aspect of it. Um, we're not hitting any international people. And, you know, depending on – I don't know. We, we need to move it around dates and times is all I'm saying just to get the, the, the majority of the people that, a chance to, to participate live. Mm-hmm. Um, Freddie says it's actually from 2004. Yeah, so, I, I found it. Okay, with Scorsese involved. So, all right. Well, sounds like it might be up your alley, and yeah. you love documentaries. Oh, I love them. I hope it has a lot of on-location interviews. <laughs> Which just roadies do it? Check, check one, <laughs> check one, two, check. In the background. Yep, a lot of goats. A lot of goats, and if uh, yeah, every Van Halen concert in history had at least one goat. Probably. All right. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Bye-bye.